Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, episode number 96, which is summer recap number two because we couldn't fit all of the wonderful things from our summer into one episode. I mean, we could have, but we like trimmer episodes than we used to. It was still yeah. like 40 minutes. It was still a- <laughs> Hey, sh- hey, take the win, man. Which take is which win. is funny because I <laughs> we outlined what we were going to do in that episode and we did one of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> what we're going to do in this episode, is we're going to talk about ministry that we did over the summer, camps we were at, things like that. Something we learned from our camp ministry or speaking ministry, something like that. And then we're going to share scripture or scripture ideas that were challenging to us over the summer. So that being said, who There's wants to go first? No books in business. So no books in business. Yeah, we don't, we, we have business to tend to, but it's not that kind of business. Not that kind of book. So. Well, I'll start. I spoke at uh, IRBC, that's Iwergular Baptist Camp in North Iowa in uh, Clear Lake. I spoke for Family Camp 3 and for the Senior High Camp, and it was a really good experience for so just listeners this is a a cool thing for the family camp i spoke on contentment and i took what i'd done in the podcast last fall and then i had to go deeper and develop it more and it was a really good week it was a really good week so that was really really fun um and then senior high was i don't even know how to describe senior high like i don't know what to say about it put like 500 teenagers in one place and it was exciting and uh, filled with ministry. So it was really, really good. I enjoyed it. I enjoy IRBC. It's a beautiful place. If you've never been there, it's just, it's beautiful. What I think I would say that I took away, there's a lot of things I took away, but one thing that I took away, well, first of all, let me give a shout out to Evan Rogers. Evan, it was nice to meet you, camp. Uh, listener, shout out. I think I took away was um, the value of just a conversation. The first week I had a lot of prep that was not done. And so in the afternoons I would be prepping. So I was out with my family and whatnot, but at senior high, all of that was prepped. It was Proverbs. It was wisdom. The first day I had some stuff to do, but after that I was able to just go around and mill about and talk to people and it was good. So talk to campers, talk to counselors, talk to staff. And I was sitting at lunch one day with the Dean of the week, pastor Sean Lundberg and another Uh, college student. And we're just chatting, just having a chit chat. And Sean, in a really wise way, very quickly turned the conversation from just the weather to what's been the most challenging thing that God's been using to grow you this summer to this college student next to me. And it was interesting to see how he very naturally took an opportunity to turn the conversation to something eternal and spiritual was really instructive for me. Hmm. And I don't know that I don't, I think I don't do that as much as I should actually. And it wasn't, it wasn't really hard to bring up eternal things. Mm-hmm. So that helped because then I was walking around the next couple of days, just talking to people in the afternoons. And so I tried it. And a couple of times, I think it was beneficial for both me and the person I was talking to. So I would just say that perhaps you are live in your life and you have friends that you're talking to maybe take an opportunity to try to bring up 
something spiritual. You'll probably fail at first. You'll probably make it awkward at first. I can tell Pastor Sean has been doing this for years and he was, he had really good ideas about it. Or if you're not sure how to do that, maybe talk with someone like your pastor. It was a way to make every conversation more valuable. So I, I thought that just everyday conversations, you could turn those to something spiritual. That was a really good, good experience for me. So I kind of, I took that away as a, a good instructive moment. I was talking to somebody at my church and um, this person mentioned how so much of our conversations are on lighter things. And I'm like, well, a lot of times at church you're in a public setting and so it's not really a time for a deep spiritual conversation. Um, but the the person also just reflected upon how I specifically asked this individual, so what is God teaching you? Um, mm. How's God working in your life? And so they're kind of lamenting that we don't do that more. I think people actually often... I mean, you know, it depends on the softness of somebody's heart. Some people might be really resi- resistant to it, but some people actually want somebody to invest in them and to ask them that spiritual question. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's God doing in your life? Um, and in a lot of cases, particularly people that go to church, it's actually invited. They want uh, some fellowship and camaraderie and brotherhood and um, something like what the church is supposed to do. Yeah, I would, and I would say that was how it was received by the college student who's mm-hmm. doing program that summer. He just, he, he said, man, yeah, I've, you know, there's been a lot of things, but this specific thing and what was helpful for me is that number one, what you said is correct. He wanted this. Right. And think about it yourself, listener. What if you could go to church or go be with other Christians and there's things in your life that are challenging that you want to talk about and you need help on, Mm -hmm. but you don't feel like at the church you could talk about it. What if you could start doing that? Right. I mean, that would be. That would be a benefit. And so I, I agree. I think it's not all, I think we're afraid that the other person will be offended or like we're prying or something mm-hmm. like that. But I think if you're spiritual and walking with the Lord or just wanting to be spiritual, you're not going to rebuff that or rebuke that. Or- mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so for this summer, I was a counselor at junior boys camp. And I think I already talked about that. <laughs> and then I was also Fantastic. the morning speaker at family camp one. And I did song of songs for singles. Uh, that was really well received. Had some very positive feedback, and we're trying to get some movement going with the book, Song of Songs for Singles. I've created a Facebook page and an Instagram page, which haven't really done anything with those because I've been working on this other thing, and that is my paper. Um, so I've been writing a paper on Genesis 3.16.4.7 and Song 7.10 for the Bible Faculty Leadership Summit, which was just last week. Well, I guess it was a few weeks ago because this is airing in the future. But anyway, I just got back from it and uh, I got some really positive uh, feedback from it. Uh, One guy came up to me. He's like, yeah, I was totally tracking to you until this one point. He didn't like the one point, but, and it was funny that one area was where there was a fair amount of discussion and I realized I just need to cut that right out. (laughs) So I deleted it. Um, And that's what the benefit of going to something like the Bible Faculty Leadership Summit is. Um, it was a great time of fellowship. I should probably explain what that is a little bit. It's a great time of fellowship with other professors that teach at sister institutions. We met at Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary in Detroit. Uh, there were some faculty there from Bob Jones, uh, from Central, uh, up in Minnesota. Um, I went with Keith Cabelia. Uh, we picked up Jeff Newman on the way. Ken Rathbun flew in. He had a meeting, so he had to come in later. But uh, we had a good time of fellowship as faculty, a good time of interaction. People present papers. I presented this pa- this paper, the meaning of Teshuka. It's the word desire. 
And this word is found three times in the Old Testament in Genesis 3.16, Genesis 4.7, and then Song of Songs chapter 7, verse 10. So really positive feedback. Um, and I I was given some input. I'm going to talk about one of those points of input. And, and this is just how... Um, I'm just trying to illustrate how uh, something like this is beneficial uh, for even me as a faculty member. Uh, so in my paper on page 15, I wrote... Um, in the Garden of Eden, the husband never tells his wife what to do because she is already doing it. She never has to obey him because she always does what they both want. The two are one. And so I'm trying to depict in this couple of sentences here, Edenic life and how the harmony, the peace and the union that was there between husband and wife was, um, was, was union. It was peace and how that has been destroyed and distorted after the fall. And in the Song of Songs, they're trying to recreate that peace, that union. And actually, in this sentence, I actually had a theological error because, and I didn't realize it, and it was brought to my attention. And so I was very grateful for that. And the whole idea of obedience, a lot of times when we say obedience, you know, she never has to obey him because she always does what they both want. Often when we think of obedience, we taint it in a coercive kind of a, a mindset. Like I got to force my child to obey me or the person doesn't want to obey. And it's actually a very narrow view of obedience and it's unbiblical. And that's what they informed me of. And so I was really grateful for that. Uh, the illustration that they use is in Hebrews chapter 5, and it talks about how Jesus obeyed the will of the Father. And the word that's used there in Hebrews is actually obedience. Obedience is not necessarily something that's coercive, that uh, somebody is doing something against their will. If the two people have the same will and they're walking in the same direction, then one person wants to do what the other person, whom God has placed in authority over them, wants them to do, just like Jesus. In Isaiah 50, even, Jesus, uh, the servant, in Isaiah 50, it's the servant, does not rebel against what the Father, God the Father, wants him to do. Uh, he obeys it, even though he doesn't want to do it. So obedience isn't necessarily something negative. It is something that should be even peaceful and desired. Uh, and so even just reflecting upon my own personal life with the authorities that God has placed over me, I need to obey them. And with what kind of spirit? Uh, with a spirit of submission and peace. Um, and so anyway, that was just something that made me think and how I needed to make a change to the paper, which I've done. And the paper is now edited again, and I've sent it off to a colleague who knows the Song of Songs really well to see if he can rip it apart. And it was recommended that I submit it to the Journal of Evangelical the the Jets, the Journal of the Evangelical Theological Society. Um, they said that it would fit really well there and strongly recommended that I submit it there. So hopefully we can get this journal published, this article published. And then I need to start working on Song of Songs for Singles again. Boom! There's my ministry update, what I've been working on. <laughs> That's awesome. It's funny how editing things makes them better. It you does. Know? It really does. Hmm. Yeah, and I brought up this one thing that made a big mess, and I'm like, I can't talk about that. So delete. <laughs> Kill your darlings. That's it. So Tim Challies uh, put on his blog this week that he likes to have six days in a row to prep for a sermon. He does about two to three hours a morning because that's his best time. He says he generally has the sermon done by Thursday. And then 
what he spends the rest of his week doing leading up to Sunday is cutting and removing. He says he usually pulls about 30% out of his wow. main draft. And he and it's interesting that we can say a lot, but then the real work comes in the editing process. He's a manuscriptor, evidently. Uh, yeah, I think he said that, yeah. But, but that's also like a good lesson that when you're speaking, if you haven't thought much about your thoughts, and then you speak them, once they're out, you probably would readjust things once you hear them. So think, that's just a good life lesson, I think. So I think what happens in preparing to speak is especially us, like people like us, we, we want to communicate what the Bible says so we can study the text. Yeah. And we too easily equate knowledge of what the text says with, I'm ready to speak this. Yeah. And there's a lot of work that goes from, oh yeah, I know what verse one and verse two and verse three say. And oh yeah, I know what those words mean. There's, there's mm -hmm. a huge difference between that and Here's a, a cohesive 30 minutes yeah. that has an outline that people can follow, has illustrations, has applications that mm -hmm. are relevant. And that's, that's where I think a lot of homiletic students get caught is that a lot of us really like to study the text yeah. and we get bogged down in that rather than you, you have to do that. Mm -hmm. That's a non-negotiable step. Mm -hmm. But if you really want a sermon or a, a session to really be polished, well, you have to, you have to polish it, Yeah, <laughs> you know? Uh, and I, I don't do that very well. And like, I, I can tell the difference between, did you spend five hours on this or 10 hours? And, mm -hmm. and usually there's only so much textual study you can do. If you're going to get to around 10 hours of study, the last three or four hours is you editing what you're doing. Yeah. So, and that's why, so I actually had two junior high camps this summer Ooh. Ooh. and the morning chapels were identical did the exact same thing both times. And guess what? Like that repetition is really helpful to yeah. know what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So I went to, I was at three camps over the summer. One was just like a fun visit. It's a weird kind of connection with the online job here at Faith and students that are doing online classes at Grandview Camp in Arizona. So I just went out there to visit, had a great time with them and uh, just seeing another ministry and to be a part of a fun weekend. I went there for 4th of July. I think, I think I mentioned that earlier, but then the two, the two camps were IRBC junior high and whispering Cedars junior high. And, uh, yeah. So IRBC, I was just the morning speaker and then whispering Cedars, you did all of them. So morning and evening. So both of the mornings were the first Peter sermons that we kind of did some devotions on. Mm -hmm. And then in the evening at whispering Cedars, it was kind of, their, their theme was uh, adventure, like going on an adventure. And so it was like your adventure with Christ was kind of what I did, which I'm not always a huge fan of like theming things, but this worked. So like Monday night was my adventure. I just shared my testimony with them. And then when you started a spiritual adventure, why do you want Christ as your guide? And that was kind of just gospel presentations on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then it was, how do I become like Jesus? Like, the journey is becoming like him. Like that is the adventure is you serve him. He, he transforms you. So pretty standard stuff. But I think probably my biggest takeaway, they were both great weeks. Both weeks had kids trust Christ and, um, Amen. yeah, good. Amen. It's good. To, it's camp. It's good and fun. Um, wears you out in more ways than one. It's like the good kind of tired. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's like a good I, kind of tired. I, I drove back uh, for Cedars. I drove back Friday night to be here for Saturday to do something with uh, temp, Team Impact, our traveling camp team. That morning, Joey and I were taking them out to eat and then get them to the airport. And uh, so I, I left after a week of camp, after nine chapels oh. at like essentially oh. nine o'clock at night and it's four hours away. And so I, I got home at like two in the morning and was just, I woke Yeesh. up the next morning and it was like, you didn't even sleep. You know, you, you're worn out after camp. But, uh, I think the big takeaway I had, and this kind of folds into like the scripture that's challenged you is just staying in the book of first Peter for an extended amount of time. And you're just, you're seeing what Peter is doing more fully. I think that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. And I think it's helpful for campers at camp to every morning you're turning to first Peter and we're, we're going to keep building on some of the thoughts and you can see, you know, he started with this and how everything flows out of that and, and how for him, theologically, all of the exhortations and applications he was giving these people were because they were born again. And if you are a child, what should you do? Well, you should be an obedient child. And like a newborn child, you should. Like so much of what he's doing is coming back to chapter one. Like, and so I found myself in those chapels over and over. Are you born again? Mm. Well, if you are, mm. this is what a child of God does. Mm. You live that out. And this is what it looks like. And really easy application of the gospel is like, well, maybe you don't like first Peter two, maybe you don't desire the word. You might not be born again. Hmm. Hmm. And just, it's so clear after you've started in chapter one and tracked that. And, and I think kids got that like very clearly like, Oh yeah, that makes perfect logical sense. You know, I, I might not be born again or, and then we, we did have a conversation of, well, if you are born again, you don't desire the word what's going on. And you know, that's a sanctification Mm -hmm. issue too. Cultivating a desire for the word. Yeah. And, and so, but it, I just thought it was super helpful to like in the evenings, not like it was disorganized, but it's what was the organizational factor of the evening chapel? Well, our camp's theme is adventure. So it's me trying to be creative with that. And opposed to that in the mornings, it's like, okay, first Peter one, back in first Peter one, first Peter two, mm-hmm. first Peter two. And you're just, you're, you're so much more engaged with the intent of the author that way. And so I think that is, hmm. might be just like a paradigm shift for me. It's like when you speak at a camp, just like speak from a yeah. text, like yep. a location yeah, rather than like this sermon is about this and this sermon is about this. Like just be faithful to walk through an epistle. Yeah. Or even just like a chapter or two of, of a book. I think that's really helpful. I really like that. Especially doing it once and then you can kind of, oh, I don't really like how that went. And then editing it the second time around. I, th- I think they went really well at Whispering Cedars because of that. And I could tell the difference between the mornings and the evenings. Some of the evening chapels, I'd never preached those before. Brand oh, new. Oh, yeah. Yep. And and you can you i can tell a difference and i'm sure if i can tell a difference the uh, students can tell a difference campers can tell a difference too so yeah i think the what you said about the wanting the word like yearning for the milk of the word it's interesting how many people 
when they get saved, that's one of the first things I know. It's like President Tillotson. Mm-hmm. He's at Bible college. He gets saved. And he what the first thing he says is he wanted to read his Bible. And then just many people, as they grow spiritually, they start to long for the Bible. I found myself after two weeks of twice a day chapels, two weeks in a row, I came home and it was like Saturday afternoon and I just had this thing in me. Like, what is this? And I just, I needed to get in the word again, but I was so used to it. So yeah, I think that's, that's really good. Yeah. What else are we doing in this episode? Well, Scripture. I, got, I got one more. Can I do one more camp thing? Yeah, go for it. So I think the, the other interesting thing about camp that struck me was in Changed into His Image, a book written by Jim Berg at the very beginning of the book, uh, sometime in the first third of it, he's associated with the wilds, I think, out in one of the, somewhere on the East Coast. Sure. One of the, I don't know what state it is, I'm not going to try. But he said that a lot of times people uh, talk negatively about making a camp decision. So if you make a camp decision, it's a decision that you make and then you never follow through with. So then the critique is that you didn't really mean it back in the day. And he says, I'd like to, he'd like to have you think about it differently. He said, often when you go to a Christian camp, part of the reason you're open to making God honoring decisions is that you're away from all of the worldly influences and temptations that you are saturated in, in your life. And so this week at IRBC for the teen camp, they couldn't have their cell phones. And the week before I'd had a QR code on the screen so you could like snap it and then go to my blog and get book recommendations and all this extra notes and things. <laughs> well, at the senior high camp, I didn't do that. But I do think you're, you're away from all your entertainments. You're away from your phone. You're away from every avenue, not every, many avenues of temptation. And then you're saturating yourself in God's word. And it was the same thing. So I did, Pro, I did Ecclesiastes day one, and then I did Proverbs one and two. And then Chris Anderson was in John four the entire week. And so I, th- I think that if you listener find that you're not growing the way you want, or you find that you're kind of going in the wrong direction and you don't really know what to do, I think an easy takeaway here is if you remove temptation, that's not the only aspect of this. You have to want it. You have to humble yourself. You have to want to grow. You have to love the Lord. But if you remove the temptations to love the world and you remove, the, I mean, if you want to lose weight, you don't put donuts in your cabinet and just leave them there. Like you, you kind of get rid of all the donuts. So I would just say that I saw firsthand, I think Charlie did probably Tim did that when you remove all that, you're the, the, you're not, you're more in a place where the Lord can work because you're not as distracted by those things. So that might be something for listeners to do. And it's not the only thing, but it's a big thing. I noticed in first Peter, how those always go together. Yes. So like when he gets through the opening portion about being born again, Hey, put, um, girding up your mind, mm-hmm. being sober minded, set your hope. Do not be conformed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do not be conformed. Yep. And, and we talked about that. And then you come down to first Peter two, where he's going to talk about desiring the word. But what does he say before that? Putting away all evil mm-hmm. and deceit and hypocrisy, yes. desire the pure spiritual. Yes. It's like, it's, it's part of growth is to mm-hmm. turn away from the competing yeah. desire. Yep. And and so I think that was the big theme for us at Whispering Cedars was how much of a necessity repentance is for everything. Yeah. And uh yeah. I I think you shared an illustration 
with me like three years ago of driving a car and knowing you're going in the wrong direction. And you're like, well, what do you ah, got to do? Yep. You got to turn it around. Like you also have to drive back the other direction, but you yep. can't go in the other direction unless you turn around. That was really I helpful. I used that exact illustration then, at Cedars. See, and then, and then what that helped me think is repentance is the theme of the Christian life. You're always turning. Yeah. You're always remind. Oh, I, I got to turn back. I got to turn back on the path. I got to get back on the yep. path of wisdom. I got to turn and follow the Lord. And I think for a long time I'd had the, just the, is it a, is it a part of your salvation or not? The whole Lordship thing. And but. I think, I think from a speaker's perspective, that is such a great way to get people involved in chapel mm-hmm. who maybe aren't listening. And it's like, I asked a, a camper this week, like, what's your favorite restaurant? I go, well, I don't know. And then, you know, other kids are like, oh, this, we ended up landing on Wendy's, which, okay, Nebraska. <laughs> like, <laughs> if any of you campers from Whispering Cedars are listening to this, there's I mean, so many better places. Than it's Wendy's. not McDonald's, but it's, it's, yeah, it's not, it's, I don't know. Yeah. But so it's like, okay. And I, I tell them, I'm like, okay, from here, geographically where's the closest wendy's and we all like we uh, directors in the back like which way is it and they're pointing this way i'm like okay so you want to go to wendy's okay which way do you have to go that way like we point that way Mm -hmm. okay now and then i start walking the other way well am i ever gonna get there Am, am i going the right way to wendy's no you're not well am i ever gonna get there no well what do you have to do and someone's like go the other way and i'm like okay you're close but Actually, there is a mental component here. What happens if you never realize you're going the wrong way? Yeah. Yep. You just keep blazing a trail. You're thinking you're you going to find Wendy's. something. You want, you want Wendy's. You desire Wendy's, but you'd never. And, and you tie that to yeah. the gospel. Like, what if you never realize, like, you're trying to find satisfaction in life, mm-hmm. trying to be happy and joyful. Yep. You, you may even be religious. You want to get to heaven someday. Mm-hmm. And you're just blazing that trail and you don't realize that the only way to get there is Christ. Yep. Like, if you don't realize that and turn to him, you're never going to get there. Mm-hmm. And I, that's such an, it's, it works so well. Um, I mean, I, at least from my perspective, it seems like it works. I mean, I don't know how much campers grasp, but I also use this week, I think we've talked about it here, the illustration of completing the catch. Oh, like yeah. The football mm-hmm. illustration. And I thought that went really well, too. Because every teenage boy in that room who's like oh, disengaged, yeah. like, let's talk about football. Sorry, ladies. And and like the girls usually are better about listening yeah. than guys. So now I had guys that weren't listening all week, like engaged, like directly. Dude, football. He's yeah. talking about football. Let's talk about football. <laughs> that would have, yeah. That would have so, been me in high school, but it would have had to be video games. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, anything else we want to talk about or are we wrapping up? Scriptures. What, what scriptures have been particularly mind renewing for us as we've been ministering this summer? I think you talked about First Peter. Is there any yeah, others? I got a couple, but I, there were some passages that I. So John eleven. We were in John eleven, like raising Lazarus mm. from the dead, and there's a verse in there where Jesus is talking to Martha. I think it's Martha, and you know, if someone believes in me, anyone who believes in me, though they die. Yet yeah. they shall live. Mm. And I don't know as a Christian how you can read that and not just like, wow. Yeah. Like understanding the gospel, like realizing what he's talking about. Now, that, that, I think, so that was a new sermon. I'd never preached that text before. I had the blessing of my pastor preaching it a while back. So I feel like I had a pretty good head start on what's there. Um, but just what's so interesting is like how clearly that passage demonstrates Jesus' deity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like, 
he knows Lazarus is dead. Like he tells his disciples before they've even left, like, oh, he's dead. He's dead. Let's go. Let's go wake him up. You know, and it's like they don't have any perspective. And then right before he calls Lazarus out of the grave, he's praying to the father. He's like, Father, I know you hear me. I'm just I'm praying so that these people will believe. Huh. It's like they're gonna they're hearing this and they're gonna know that you and I are one. You know, I can't remember exact words. I should pull it up, but it's a, it's such a great demonstration of the deity of Christ through the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead. Hmm. Such a great passage. That was I I was very blessed to study and preach through that. Hmm. So for me, I <clears throat> the theme at the camp was uh life is more than a game. It had like a life board game the- theme. So everything was games all week long. So when I heard the theme, I thought to myself, well, what would be a good text? Um, I landed on a number of them, but the first one we went to is Ecclesiastes 7. And that has been one of my favorite passages for a long time. Uh, I'll just go ahead and read it to you. Just the first four verses. I, I went through six and I could have gone through 14, but I did just the first four. A good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death than the day of birth. It's better to go into the house of mourning than to go into the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart will be made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. So those, so I preached, uh, preached, taught, whatever, that, those four verses plus the next two. And it was pretty heavy. I tried not to make it too heavy, but I also didn't want to make it light because it's death. And so I started off with some illustrations about um, you know stupid things I'd done and transitioned to where I almost ran over an elderly man. That was a, a, a good, shocking illustration. I know. Yeah. I don't think it was as close, but it felt that way. But I think as you walk through that, you get the idea that everybody, everybody gets a funeral, but not everybody gets a party. And so you're going to die one day. And Solomon says, if you want to be wise, you need to think about that. And the whole passage here is actually aimed at the end of life, not at right now. The rest of the week, we went through Proverbs uh, 1 on temptation, Proverbs 1, when it's too late to be wise, and then Proverbs 2, how do you seek and pursue wisdom? And it was really interesting, starting with Ecclesiastes 7, to see all the allusions and references to the end of life that Solomon makes in Proverbs. And it makes sense, because here he's lived his life for happiness and pleasure, and he's tried to test what's the meaning of life. And then when he gives wisdom, he's saying you should look at the end of your life. And I think there's so many young people, but even people our age, who don't think about death because it's uncomfortable. And they don't think about the end, they think about right now. To me, that was a really nourishing thought. Uh, I, I told this story, and maybe I'll tell it again on the podcast, but I read this passage when I was sitting in a hospital waiting room. My best friend's dad was having a routine surgery, and I hadn't done my Bible reading. There was a couple of people from the church there. So I read this passage, and I remember thinking that Solomon is saying it's better to go in the house of mourning, which is like a funeral, than to the house of feasting, which is like a party. And why is it better? Because the end of all humans is a funeral. And to be wise, you should think about that. And 20 minutes later, the pastor came out from back where the surgery was happening and said that my friend's dad had unexpectedly died on the table. So it like seared it into my memory. So it just, 
I've known this for a long time. This has been a favorite passion of mine for a long time, but walking through it slowly, deliberately talking about all the issues, the what's ointment, what's a better name, why this, uh, what does it mean that the heart is gladdened even in sad times? It just again helped me to think about not what's now in my life, but what's in the future. And the ointment thing is almost like you're putting on an external image. It might mean cologne or perfume. And so the idea is that I have this good image, but then what should I actually care about? A good reputation, which is my character. It was just, it was good for me. It was good for me and it's been rolling around in my head. So maybe that'll help you. Um, not to be dark. I told him you don't need to go out and buy goth clothes and paint your nails black and, you know, have skulls on your walls. But avoiding thinking about death is actually bad. And then here's, here's the other kicker. There was a whole cabin where they'd really closely experienced a death of someone they loved. And I thought, oh man, I didn't know that. Should I have preached it? But no, it was the right thing. And even someone came up and said, no, we had really good conversations because of that. So go ahead. I just noted how you were talking about death and you were talking about the resurrection. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. And that gives us that hope. Yep. Yeah. And I, I actually contrasted two worldviews. Solomon's worldview is that there's a future resurrection. There's a God who created everything. But if you're coming from an evolutionary mindset, thinking about your death doesn't matter at all. In 5 billion years, when the sun goes red giant and consumes the inner planets of our solar system, it doesn't matter if you lived a good life. Mm-mm. You're a, a meat machine that passed away. So Our hopes in the resurrection. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings Podcast.